while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris will be back tomorrow for our Friday show. Everybody loves the Friday show. Everybody loves every show, I hope. But everybody really loves the Friday show. And uh, we'll be in studio, I believe, with Mayor uh, Scott Lang, former Mayor Scott Lang. So we'll have to talk about. It'll be fun. We'll be taking your calls then. Just as we're taking your calls now at 508-996-0500, covered a lot in the last three hours. If you're just joining, what we covered was the, we had Dana Ribeiro and Dan Kent on, both of Vineyard Wind. Uh, Dana Ribeiro, you might remember as the uh, former city councilor from uh, Ward 4, uh, who retired from um stepped down from the council a couple of years ago a couple of years ago yeah it was about two years ago because uh her successor Derek baptiste is in his first term um so dina ribeiro a former ward four counselor now works for vineyard wind dan kent the uh development operations coordinator of vineyard wind they both joined me in the, the beginning of the show to talk about a job sphere program that they have in vineyard wind uh, that is this Wednesday, September 14th at the New Bedford Harbor Hotel. Now, when, you know, I talked to when um, Lieutenant Governor or uh, Governor Candidate and Attorney General Healy was here and Lieutenant Governor Candidate Mayor Kim Driscoll were down here in New Bedford today. Of course, they talked about offshore wind. Um, Maura Healy, when she's been down here, has mentioned offshore wind quite a bit. When Mayor Mitchell's been on with us and when he's been on with Tim, he's mentioned offshore wind very often. It's been a topic that's been in the news a lot. I've written about it quite a bit as well. Uh, some of the events that had happened, you know, there was, and we talked about the uh, the historic labor agreement that was signed back in uh, last summer um, and where you had... Bill Keating, Jake Auchincloss, Elizabeth Warren, Ed Markey, all of our state rep delegation, uh, all of our state delegation. The Senate president was down here. I mean, everyone. It was a it was a who's who uh, down here um, of, of of state politics, and they signed a historic labor agreement. That labor agreement would ensure that locally sourced labor, locally sourced unionized labor, will be used to build the wind turbines. Now, the wind turbines, uh, the offshore wind industry 
is an entirely new industry that's coming uh, to southeastern Massachusetts. It uses a lot of, um, you know, it's uh, coming out of New Bedford. The parts are going to be launched. This is the launch pad here in New Bedford. Um, But there's a lot of other municipalities that have, you know, connecting parts. There's uh, Hyannis that uh, Dana was talking about, Hyannis. There's some jobs that are available there. There's Brayton Point in Somerset, which... You know, the subject of much controversy to people that live in Somerset, but that's where President Biden visited. And the reason President Biden visited Brayton Point is because it was a former coal-fired plant considered one of, to be one of the most hazardous in the state. And they repurposed it into basically uh, like the um, charging station for the wind turbines for offshore wind. So uh, I say all of this, this is a long way of saying that the jobs fair is this Wednesday, and those jobs that they are talking about, the historic labor agreement that they signed to get locally sourced unionized labor, um, you have an opportunity to enter that job market. Or if you, you know, if you have a job, you like your job or you're retired, you might know somebody who is looking for an opportunity to change their careers. Changing your career, I think is advisable uh, in a lot of cases. I mean, some people have the same job and they really like it and they really enjoy it. But, um, I mean, I changed my career uh, at at 30 years old. And I think um, it's it's really good. It's a rewarding experience to to be able to do something new and do something rewarding, right? It's part of the reason I'm able to be here with you you every night from 7 to 10. It's because I changed my career path. So if you look, if you know somebody that's maybe looking to change their career path to get on the ground floor of an entirely new industry, um, that job fair is on Wednesday, uh, September 14th. And again, there's a reason why Moore Healy and Kim Driscoll are coming down here talking about offshore wind because they know it's a big deal. There's a reason, you know, Elizabeth Warren and Ed Markey have come here many times to celebrate offshore wind because they know it's a big deal. It's worth their time. It's worth all of our time. And you should definitely go check that out. Uh, Healy's visit was uh, great. Again, great commentary uh, from her and Mayor Mitchell about the about the um, you know all the all the, the development on the port in, in the port of New Bedford. So five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can get in, uh, get on the program. We also spoke again with um, with uh, the father and stepfather Lynn and Roland. Uh, I mean the mother and stepfather of Lynn and Roland of uh, Conrad Roy, talking about the Michelle Carter case. If you didn't hear that, so. The Michelle Carter case, I'm sure you're all familiar with that and, you know, how, um, you know, she coerced Conrad Roy basically into taking his own life. And, you know, there's been a TV series about it. There's, you know, it was a nationally televised case that was prosecuted by uh, D.A. Quinn's office. And, you know, it was considered largely to be a very uh, gray area in the law in which a lot of legal experts were saying there's no way you can prosecute. Well, the judge, it was a bench trial, which means uh, they waive their jury. If you uh, are facing criminal trial, you have a right to waive your jury and put it in front of a judge. Um, There's certain advantages to doing that. Uh, There's certain advantages to legal advantages to um, to doing that in a lot of cases. If it's a case that you wanted to that you think should be decided, you know, more on the law. Right. Um, You want to take maybe the. Uh, emotional predispositions out of the jury out of the equation of the jury out of the equation then you go to a bench trial and they did that but it didn't work i mean it didn't work uh the judge sentenced uh michelle carter to i think it was three years with uh with a balance so there's a thing called a split sentence 
basically. Um, so it's like, let's say you get a sentence of, you know, three years in the House of Correction, uh, 18 months to serve, balance suspended for two years with probation conditions, and those conditions could be whatever, no alcohol, no drugs, whatever. If you violate them, you can go back. Basically what that means is you have to you have to do, you know, you're, you're doing an 18-month bid if you have like a split sentence like that. You're doing an 18-month bid. You know, you can get out early. You're, you're parole eligible in half the time, which is nine months, um, and, you know, you, good time and all that. You can get out earlier, but you still have another 18-month ba- balance hanging over your head. And you're on probation for two, that 18 month balance hangs for a year or two years, however much the judge sets it. And so you have probation conditions and you have to follow them. If you violate them, you have a probation hearing and the judge has to decide whether or not to send you for the full balance of your sentence or for or, or reprobate you. So it's it's tricky, but suspended sentences are tricky because the judge typically just, you know, will send you. So she's actually completed her – Michelle Carter got out, She uh, and on top of that, she completed her probation. So she's got no balance hanging over her head. She apparently, to my knowledge, didn't violate her, her probation. Now, the law that the that, that's, um, that Lynn and Roland, the parents of Conrad Roy, the victim in the Michelle Carter case – the the father and uh, the mother and stepfather rather the uh, of comrade roy the victim in that case of michelle carter who michelle carter was found to have coerced into suicide they want to pass a law that makes it easier for prosecutors to it's very targeted to make it easier that uh for prosecutors and it has a very you know he said it's a page and a half very lengthy definition of the law um that um Makes it easier for them to prosecute that gives her and he said gives would probably give her the law as it's written would probably give her like a five year sentence instead of the, you know, the 18 months that she got. So it's a more targeted law. That's the law that they're pushing. It's called Conrad's law. Um, it's you know, it's basically in the dead zone in the uh, in the legis- uh, in the legislative in the state legislature and Senator um, Barry Feingold, who uh, who is, I believe, up in Andover. I think he's up in Andover. I can't remember, but um, he's supporting that legislation. I think you should too. And of course, there's that um, walk on. Uh, there's the walk on on Saturday that you can go to. Uh, just for people who didn't get it, uh, who didn't hear this earlier, there's a walk on Saturday you can go to, which is um, at Fort Phoenix, eight o'clock in the morning. Go down there. You can register right there. They have same day registration. Twenty bucks. 20 bucks, a modest donation, but that $20 does fund a charitable initiative to help people who are suffering like Conrad did from suicidal ideation and to provide scholarship opportunities. So, I mean, a really tragic and gut-wrenching story that I think Lynn and Roland have been turning into, uh, doing their best to turn into um, a, a legacy project to make uh, to make Conrad's name um, you know, to to do a lot of great things in Conrad's name to ensure that 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 people have benefited from from Conrad Roy's existence, and I think that's a really great thing. So, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can get on the program tonight. You know, we and you know we talked to Ian about. Uh, we also talked to Ian about um, the 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 
legislation in the city council to raise the salary classifications to make New Bedford more competitive their de- uh, for their department heads, which is, I think, about... I, I mean, I think they're going to um, kick that to ordinance, so we're going to get more updates on that. I think it's really important. I think it's worthwhile legislation, too, and I know the the city council and the mayor, the city council president and the mayor does, too. So we talked to him about that and about his endorsements of the statewide races. He was three for three. I think that's pretty good. Good political instincts there. And not for nothing, it wasn't clear that all three of those candidates were going to win. You know, Eric Lesser was re- really well, well funded uh, in that race against Kim Driscoll. Uh, that He was certainly competitive, a former Obama aide. Uh, you had um, Andrea Campbell, who... It looked scary for a moment, right? It looked like Shane Lewis Warren was getting all the uh, the momentum and that she was going, you know, that she, she was going to, she might have stolen it. Not stolen it, but you know what I mean, right? Like, uh, surprised everybody. And uh, Diane DiZaglio, I think, was seen largely as the underdog in that race. Even though it was really, really close, Dempsey had a polling lead. He got the support from Suzanne Bump, the the former, the the current state auditor. I guess that goes to show you how much people... Paid attention to Suzanne Bump, honestly, when she was the state auditor. But uh, Ian was able to, I think, have good political instincts and back those candidates. And uh, they look like they're all going to get elevated to higher office. Although the although the auditor's race, I think you got to watch out for. I think Anthony Amori is definitely, he's definitely strong. He's a strong candidate. And actually, I do want to talk a bit more about that. We're going to talk a, bit, a little bit more about the governor's race um, and where... The state GOP kind of is right now, and uh, we'll be taking your calls to open phone lines if you want to talk at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on the program. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris will be back uh, tomorrow on Friday, but it's Thursday, and I'm here with you. Taking your calls at 508-996-0500 and taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. Marcus, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. So, uh, you know, just a brief recap of what we had, but uh, looking forward to the governor's race um, where you have more Healy and Jeff Deal, you know, um, it's interesting now since Deal, I guess, seen seen by a lot of the party as a toxic candidate. You know, Jim Lyons was real supportive of Deal. I think there's a lot of, you know, Barry, our our good friend Barry Richard, um, uh, was real supportive of deal as well said you know you might as well stand on our principles um you know i still think his you know his election prospects are, are, are pretty uh are pretty bleak but i do respect that position um he he is getting so chris doty and it was interesting because you you listened to the howie car debate here on wbsm and chris doty had said basically jeff deal can't win you're electing this he's gonna more healy's gonna win if you elect jeff deal and um if you send jeff deal to to more healy and so he said so jeff deal turned him so you're not gonna like interrupted him uh so you're not gonna endorse me if if uh if i win huh and it was a weird question because now it's like, well, you're putting him on the spot, aren't you? Like, it's a debate and it's, it sounded kind of childish. And I think how he, you know, how he agreed on a lot of people agreed uh, that, that Chris Doty won that debate wasn't good enough, I guess. Uh, I mean, Jeff Deal is largely avoiding debates. Now he's pivoting to them. Um, that's interesting. But uh, Chris Doty and Kate Campanelli, his lieutenant governor candidate, did say they want to get behind the GOP ticket. So, um, 
you know, pretty interesting. You heard Chris McCarthy here uh, tell you, uh, what was it, last night or the night before, that if Jeff Deal won, he wouldn't support Jeff Deal, even though Chris is, you know, a, you know, a tried and true, dyed-in-the-wool uh, conservative. Uh, he said, frankly, he doesn't think De- Jeff Deal has the competency to run an entire government. Uh, it's just 209 agencies 209 agencies of government, which all handle very important things, things that a lot of people don't even think about. You know, you you think about the Department of Developmental Services that helps people with special needs, you know, or DPH in general, right? Um, You know, DESE, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, like really important things, really intricate things where, you know, this guy's having a hard time raising money. You know, he's dipping in the public financing campaign account because he clearly didn't have a plan or really a coherent message to run for governor, but he had the best name recognition in the state GOP had the best name. This is why he won. He had the best name recognition in the state GOP. And part of it was because his work to repeal the gas tax, um, which, you know, a lot of conservatives thank him for it's good work. And part of it was, uh, because, um, he ran against Elizabeth Warren and for Senate that gives him statewide name recognition. Every Republican in the, every Republican in the state got to vote for him. So I had the opportunity to vote for him twice, both in the primary because he ran against that guy, Shiva, who said he invented emails. I believe Shiva went on with Chris McCarthy at least once. Um, the guy, Shiva, said he invented emails. He ran against him and won that primary. You know what's interesting about that? I mean, Jeff Deal is still going to lose. But you know what's interesting about that is that that, that race that year in 2018, Elizabeth Warren, that race was actually the most competitive statewide. It wasn't competitive at all. But it was the most competitive statewide race on the ballot that year. If you go from top to bottom, uh, it got the most votes or the high. The, I mean, it got the it was the it was the closest margin for victory. Suzanne Bump uh, had more votes. Uh, Suzanne Bump had more. Uh, uh, Suzanne Bump had a had a had a bigger landslide. Um, so did Deb Goldberg. I don't even know if Deb Goldberg had an opponent. Uh, Bill Galvin did against Anthony Amori, who we're going to talk about in a minute. And um, obviously the Baker Polito ticket, they got 66% of the vote. That was actually the closest election uh, in the uh, on the ballot, which I think is pretty interesting. But it was still like, what was it, like 57% or something like that. Like Elizabeth Warren got. Um, there was no shot at him winning that seat. But still... Um, 508-996-0500. Now you got Charlie Baker. So Chris Doty says get behind the ticket. Um, he believes that that ticket's still better, preferable to more Healy. Uh, but you've got Charlie Baker, who's the most popular governor in the country. Uh, you know, he's got like a, his, his approval rating throughout his entire tenure has been about 70 something percent. Again, I, he won. When he beat Martha Coakley, I think it was 52, 48%. Like it was, I remember it being close on election day back in 2014. I was like, oh, it's really close, but it looks like Baker's pulling ahead. 52, 48%, I think it was the total, which, you know, is fairly close, not a nail biter. But uh, he won that election against Martha Coakley. He won by 66% against the uh, Jay Gonzalez and Quentin Palfrey in 2018. And it has, again, had approval ratings in the in the 70s, right? Basically throughout his entire tenure as governor. He is not backing anybody in the governor's race. Neither is Karen Polito. They've decided not to. And they said something I think was actually 
fairly patronizing, which was, um, you know, like we, I'll, uh, I can get the exact quote. I think what they said was actually really, what they said about, uh, about the race was really, um, hold on, looking at it now, really was like a, trying to find it. I'm going to find that quote because it, it was, it was such like an attaboy thing to say. I can't find it. Whatever. So they said they're not endorsing this race and they commend that. It was something like they commend everybody who stepped up this election, right? So it was like a real, like, you know, what a good job, attaboy type of thing. Very, I think, very outwardly patronizing. You know, I think there's a few reasons. You know, Charlie Baker back in 2018 actually, quote unquote, endorsed uh, Jeff Deal um, for, uh, endorsed Jeff Deal for Senate, but didn't actually say. But then when he got into a debate with Jay Gonzalez, he was asked if he's voting for Jeff Deal. And he says, oh, I wasn't sure. I'm not sure if I'm voting for Jeff Deal. And they're like, you endorsed him. He goes, yeah, that's a, a vote I haven't decided on yet. There was an attack ad made on him about it. It was pretty funny. It didn't really do much. I mean, he still got reelected pretty easily. But um, he didn't want to support. He said he was going to endorse Jeff Deal. He endorsed Jeff Deal and said he wasn't going to vote for him. A lot of that, I think, is because of his ties to Trump. And he didn't want to be tied to Trump in his own gubernatorial election. So now he's deciding not to back him or and I, I don't think he would have backed Christodi if Christodi uh, went uh, uh, got out of this race either, either. And I think there's two reasons behind that. This is my this is this is what I, th- I think there's two reasons behind that. The first reason is that even if Christodi came out, Moore Healy is the clear favorite to win that election. She's got a 30 point polling lead. She's got the name recognition. She's got the money. She's She's very clearly going to win. It would take, um, I think it would take like a series of catastrophes for Moore Healy on her end for Moore Healy to not win that election. Uh, and so she's, I, you know, she's going to win unless there's some incredible October surprise, like that she like stole a Lindbergh baby or something. But um, she she's going to win that. Uh, she's going to win the election. He doesn't want to put the albatross uh, around his neck of, of someone like Jeff Deal. Uh, you know, for you know, he that that's that's a bad use of Charlie Baker's really valuable political capital. Where he wants to put it behind is Anthony Amori. He wants to put it behind Anthony Amori because he feels like Anthony Amori, with his with his demeanor and with his experience in the state auditor's race. Now, the state auditor, we've had you know all three candidates on. Now, two candidates, we've had both of them on: Dinah Dezaglio, who won the primary, and Anthony Amori, uh, who he didn't have a primary challenger, but. Anthony, uh, state auditor is the watchdog, basically, of the state government. They audit, investigate um, fraud, waste, and abuse in state government. And he has a history of running audits. He's ran audits of big teams of, like, you talked about 1,200 people. He rebuilt uh, security at Logan Airport. He he rebuilt security at Logan Airport. He um, he works for the Isabella Stewart Gardner and does art theft. Invest- he's a world-renowned art theft investigator. Uh, you know, he worked for the Department of Homeland Security. So he's done audits and investigations. So I think they think he's a strong candidate. He's probably going to get endorsed by Char- or uh, backed by Charlie Baker's political action committee, right? And they think he can win that election, think he's competitive. And I, it's the only statewide endorsement he's made. And same thing with Jane Swift. Jane Swift, the former acting governor of... Um, of Massachusetts 
the real, I guess, first woman governor, not the first elected woman governor, but the she was the acting governor of Massachusetts after Paul Salucci, Salucci was tapped for uh, to be ambassador of Can- uh, to Canada under George uh, under George W. Bush. She endorsed um, Anthony Amore today too, and said, "You know, this is the t- this is you know we we want we're doing this because we want to put our name on this because we want people to pay attention to the down ballot races." So you know, there's a thing called voter fatigue in which people they you know you vote for governor you vote for you know you vote for governor you vote for ag you vote for state you vote for treasurer and then you either blank the ballot so a lot of people blank the ballot which means they don't fill it out like those down ballot races they don't fill uh which means down ballot means bottom of the ballot they don't fill it out or they just go Democrat, you know, whatever. If you're a Democrat or you're just Republican, okay, the, that's the R. Okay, I'll do the, you know, I'll do the Republican. I'll do the Democrat. That's called voter fatigue. And so what they're trying to do is bring attention to it by putting their name, you know, as former uh, governor and former go- former acting governor, uh, on, attach it to Anthony Amore so people can pay attention to that race. So Charlie Baker wants to put his political capital there because he only he sees that as the only race in which the GOP has a uh, a chance at winning. It's the only winnable statewide race for the Republican Party. He doesn't see the governor's candidates as being able to win. Uh, governor, lieutenant governor, as being able to win the attorney general uh, candidate, Jay McMahon. He's not going to beat Andrea Campbell. Um, Rayleigh Campbell, we've already talked about that extensively, and Deb Goldberg doesn't have a uh, doesn't have a, an opponent, the state treasurer. She's the only one without an opponent this year. So he thinks Anthony Amore can be uh, competitive. He wants to put his weight behind that so he doesn't, you know, if he just endorses all and endorse everybody, I'm going to endorse this person, that person, this person, then he's putting his weight behind, you know, the, on the statewide level, he's putting his weight behind it, then that, does, that doesn't carry any value. Right. His his that goodwill and that political capital he's built up over eight years of running the Massachusetts government. And I guess, you know, for a lot of people think doing a really good job of it. It's a waste of it to say, oh, well, I'm also going to endorse Jeff Thiel and I'm also going to endorse Rayleigh Campbell and Jay McMahon. I'm also going to endorse all of them. Yeah. So he has endorsed local, more local races, countywide races. He's endorsed. Um, he has endorsed uh, Tim Cruz, the district attorney candidate. He, he's put his um, Tim Cruz, the district attorney, uh, 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 district attorney. We had him on the program, right? He's been the district attorney in, in Plymouth County for 21 years. He's a Republican. I believe he was appointed by Jane Swift to that position. He's been reelected ever since. I think I got like 57 percent of the vote. Uh, last time he got reelected, but he's going up against Rasan Hall, who's uh, an ACLU lawyer, who's uh, you know well backed and well financed. So um, Tim Cruz and Rasan Hall. So in that race, Charlie Baker endorsed uh, Tim Cruz. In that race, is a who is a countywide elected Republican. The other countywide elected Republican we know he endorsed was Tom Hodgson. In fact, Tom Hodgson's kickoff cam- uh, campaign kickoff fundraiser, he. Charlie Baker went down there to White to Westport. He went down there to meet and greet people. Um, they're, you know, they're good friends. So Charlie Baker's endorsed him. He's probably endorsed some other races, some other countywide races or Republican races, and maybe he'll get involved in some state rep races. Um, but in terms of statewide, he just wanted to put his weight behind him more. He doesn't want to attach his name to Jeff Thiel. I think that bodes well for him, too, if he, like, you know, I have this kind of galaxy-brained idea that he might run for Senate as an independent, you know, against Warren or Markey in 24 or 26 um, and you know the only the only places where there are independent senators is the New England states. You got Bernie Sanders in Vermont and uh, Angus King 
in uh, in Maine, the two independent senators, though they do caucus with Democrats. I'd imagine Charlie Baker would have to say he'd caucus with Democrats. But if he wants any, you know, he's 65. I don't know how much he wants to start a new six-year you know, career in which he lives in Washington half the year, especially with all the money he has. But he might. You know, he's a policy guy. He seemed to really enjoy the governor's job. But if he wants a political future, attaching it to somebody who's attached to Donald Trump doesn't get you very far in Massachusetts. So the other reason is uh, he I don't think he's endorsing in this race is, you know, that's the first reason it's is, you know, it's a bad use of his political capital. The second reason I think is uh, it's probably like a you made your bed now lie in it situation with for the mass GOP like you put forward this candidate who can't win, who's not can't even raise the money. He's got 16 grand in his bank account. I mean, again, city count. We got city councilors here, a few city councilors that have, uh, in New Bedford that have more money in their bank account than than Jeff Deal did at the time he won the primary. Um, so this guy who's attached to Trump, who's, who can't win, who can't beat more Healy. Uh, he's basically like, you made your bed, now lie in it. Because Jeff Deal jumped into this race a while ago. He said he was going to run for governor, got the support of Jim Lyons. You know, Charlie Baker's done two terms, basically, of running completely unopposed in the primary. He had, like, that weird guy uh, in 2018, and I think he basically didn't have, uh, you know, he had that business guy, I forget his name, um, who's since passed in, in 2010, uh, 2014 and 2010. So he hasn't had a, a real primary challenge it's like it's eight years into his career he really shouldn't have one he probably didn't want to deal with it right and he could have actually if he had ran again i don't know if you see more healy run for run for governor i mean that would have been a serious race that would have been i think have been a slugfest but i don't think more healy would would uh spend her political capital that way and run for governor against somebody with charlie baker's high approval numbers in fact after she waited until after charlie baker decided he wasn't running she she kept out of the race and now you know she's gonna walk right in now but it wouldn't have been the case if charlie baker had run and if he had a clear path i mean why wouldn't he have so it's probably one of those situations like where you, you know you chased me out of the party you made your bed now you can lie in it right you can you know uh, you can you can be with Jeff Deal and get and lose and lose embarrassingly. Probably Jeff Deal hurts those down ballot races too. People vote from the top, right? So if there's a ticket on the top that's stronger, that's going to help the part the candidate on that side. You know, a lot of people say. I think there's a few reasons Elizabeth Warren won, but a lot of people do say a big reason why Elizabeth Warren was able to beat Scott Brown, who was the incumbent Republican. I mean, part of it was Democrats got caught flat-footed in 2010. Another part of it is Obama was at the top of the ticket, and Obama is still the you know most popular living Democrat and very popular in Massachusetts. So that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Having somebody strong at the top of the ticket helps the down ballot races. Having nobody at the top of the ticket. You know, when Obama wasn't at the top of the ticket, he was able to get votes for himself. When he wasn't on the top of the ticket, his party got clobbered. So having somebody weak, having weak candidates at the top of the ticket really hurts the down ballot races. That hurts district attorney's race in Plymouth. That hurts the district, the, the Bristol County Sheriff's race in um, in in um, uh, here. Right. Not saying if they're going to, you know, those guys are going to lose. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that there was down-ballot races that might have been more winnable to Republicans if they had a stronger ticket at the top. And that's not the, that doesn't look like that's the case here. So Charlie Baker's probably saying, well, you know, I was here, 
I was the most popular governor in the country. I had the corner office. I was at least a check against the progressive legislature, which is what, at the very least, what you guys wanted. And this is the only way to be successful as a Republican in Massachusetts, right? This is the only type of Republican that's been successful in Massachusetts. You look at Mitt Romney, Paul Salucci, um, Bill Weld, all of them, all very moderates. Bill Weld actually kind of ran some half-assed primary against Trump, but still ran a primary against Trump. So it's probably like, forget it. Screw it. Go ahead. Go lose. Why am I going to put my political weight behind this? People that tried to chase me out of the party, right? So, because I didn't love Trump enough, is probably what he's saying. That's my guess. That's my guess is why I didn't back Jeff Deal. 508-996-0500. Can I take a break and then we'll be back to South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Listen to us live any tonight on Marcus 508-996-0500. I do want to preview some of the stuff we've got coming up. You know, we've got uh, Mayor Lang is going to be in tomorrow for our Friday night episode. Our Friday night episodes are always fun. We're going to have um, next week. We're going to have uh, Evan Gendro, who's a candidate for because there's some general election stuff, a lot of local elections, but there's some general election stuff. Evan Gendro, who is a candidate for state rep, a Republican candidate for state rep. Um, he's going to be, he's challenging Paul Schmidt. He's going to be on next week at eight o'clock. And then his opponent, who's the incumbent has been since 20, 2011 Democrat, Paul Schmidt. He's going to be joining us, Chris and I on October 3rd at seven, seven o'clock. So we're, we're pivoting to the general election here. You know, there's a lot of primary election activity. Obviously there's a lot more candidates in the primary, um, to a lot more, races to sort of cover now everything's been consolidated basically into you know one big election and so there's and you know of course there's you know the 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 strauss the bill strauss jeff swift election to consider 508-996-0500 let's go to the phones good evening marcus what's up hey do you know any any fans that are fans of the marcus and uh, mccarthy show that are also rams fans i know one you know one yeah. hey i gotta tell you something Real quick, so I didn't realize this, but you know the Super Ballers bet that I brag about? You know how that works? Uh, no. Can you explain that to your audience? So in the beginning of the year, you can put $50 on a team oh, yeah. to win the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So, you know, last year we had uh, Tom Brady, and we won. This year we had the Rams, and we won. But evidently, I'm being told that you can bet throughout the year and pick a favorite team. And you can bet on that team to win the Super Bowl, whether it's in the uh, first uh, uh, first week, second week, third week. Um, I didn't know that. Did you know that? I didn't know that, no. It's very interesting, and it would help people uh, actually bet less, and it, it's even more interesting. Anyways, Marcus, so the Rams, they're on. We're winning. Yeah, I, I, have, I have Cooper Cup on my fantasy team. He's doing very, very well, so I'm excited about that. I want uh, Chris McCarthy and Marcus Sparrow on my fantasy team. You guys are hitting it out of the park. Well, we're, we're, we'll, we'll be on it tomorrow. Thanks for the call, Barry. Appreciate it. Yeah, Chris will be back tomorrow. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about with Chris, too. 508-996-0500. I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back. Why should you download the W? Tonight, I'm Marcus. Uh, great show today. I thank my guests, um, Dana Ribeiro and Dan Kent from Vineyard Wind, City Council President Ann Abreu. I'm the mother and stepfather of, of Conrad Roy, uh, Lynn, um, Lynn and and um, and Roland Sandinese. 
and um, they got a lot of you know important stuff. Again, remember Conrad Roy's walk is uh, Saturday eight o'clock. Um, you can go help people who are suffering from suicide suicidal ideation, like Conroy did, and um, it's also scholarship opportunities. And you can also uh, lobby your legislature to pass Conrad's law, which will help better target uh, offenders um, like uh, Michelle Carter. Uh, you also the job fair, uh, the Vineyard Wind job fair. Uh, offshore wind is a big industry that's really taking off, and you get a chance to be in at the ground up by going to this job fair. It's a really cool opportunity, I think. There's a lot of unionized, well-paying jobs that are available now or will be soon available to the people in New Bedford. And if, so if you're looking for one or you know someone's looking for one, tell them to go to the New Bedford Harbor Hotel on Union Street, 430, 430 um, Wednesday, September 14th, this coming Wednesday. So that's it for me tonight. Um, I, again, I thank everybody for, for joining me today. It's been um, It's been fun. And uh, it'll be fun tomorrow. McCarthy will be back tomorrow, and we'll be in with uh, Mayor Scott Lang as well. So stay tuned. Uh, see you tomorrow at 7 p.m.